Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress and your host of Talking Timber. This week is our second episode with Eric Kroom of Summit Machinery and Kroom Logging. He is going to talk to us about forest machinery, innovation, and opportunities for people in the industry. Right now, though, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Both are dedicated to providing sound, technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation gave $22,500 in scholarships to future forestry professionals. You can check out their work at www.pacificloggingcongress.org and www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Also, we want to thank our sponsors, Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. You can subscribe now for free by just going to their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay, now let's pick up with our interview with Eric. I think I, I heard you speak at a conference once and I was in the audience and you were just talking about, yeah, basically that getting out there, cutting out some metal, making something. I mean, you guys have the ideas or at least, you know, communicating them to some, some other folks who do it. And you could just see the light bulbs going on all over. Like it hadn't even occurred to them. So I'd like to get it out there and I don't really know how to do that, but I would love nothing more than to almost have a contest where people send in some ideas or people show me a problem it would be interesting with social media these days to have an avenue where you can wake up in the middle of the night, send an email somewhere with just all my drawings start on napkins. They literally start with a crayon and my kids were grandkids were using or something. Yeah. And I've taken some pictures of some of the design stuff that I've just hand drawn and believe mm-hmm. me, they are rough. <laughs> pretty soon they get turned into CAD and they get turned into a prototype and then they become a machine. So I've been saving some of these little paper plate drawings from camping or a napkin from a restaurant. And, and that's the kind of, that's where the ideas start. Um, but to have a company, I want Summit to become a company that's very approachable, that's very in tune to listening to what the customer's needs are. I only know what my needs are in my company. I, I'm just one of thousands of people out there. Every company, I, I know everyone's got an idea about a better fuel tank in a pickup. How come my hose... There's so many problems out there that need to be addressed. How come log truck drivers still get out and hook their trailers up? How come we can't automate that? Why is that log truck driver stopping and tightening up his wrappers? One yeah. or two get killed every year from t- uh, a chain binder was made 150 years ago can we really not explore that and do something better with battery packs and um it's just crazy that there's so many things it's, it's done that way because that's the way it's always been done and i want to challenge every one of those i'd be great i think a contest would be great that just be, figure out some way to do that that'd get the ideas <laughs> out there you know, the contest would end with a prototype machine sitting here and going to whoever's job that came up with that idea and help us figure it out. Oh, that'd be, that'd be great. I'll, I'll have to talk to you after this. <laughs> it would give you the ability 
to test your ideas. Most people are too scared to go full blown. Hey, I'm going to go spend a hundred thousand bucks on a prototype idea. That's what this company exists for. Summit exists for that reason. I've been doing it with my own ideas, my own company, but I know that I am just scratching the surface of what's out there. And I want people to be able to come forward and express their ideas, explain. And you got to think it through. I mean, what does it do? How does it fit in with all the other equipment? Is it legal? Uh, How does the industry going to work around it? But I believe people are smart. I have faith in people. It's aligning opportunity with ideas. And if there's a need out there, I live it. I, that's what makes me get up every morning. Yep. That just, just sounds kind of fun to just know what's out and just hear about the new ideas. That'd be great. It's frustrating for me because I'll post pictures every, every now and then. And I end up talking to, I was talking with a person from India. I didn't know they logged in India, but he sent me a, a snapshot of where he was at. And I explored the forest through Google earth and, you know, the other day, a guy from Italy was talking to me and they got Google Translate. And so I yeah. talk to people around the world and I can feel the excitement in their, you know, even through Google Translate and just texting. Yeah. And But it's pretty interesting, the reach that social media has, if I could, if I could utilize that a little bit to yeah. get people to send information. What is your problem? You know, I was down a couple of weeks ago, I was down on the border wall with a big construction company and they got steep slopes down there. Everything we're doing applies to way more than just the logging industry. Yeah, yeah. So for Summit to become a R&D store for people who have problems, most of it's mechanical, most of it's equipment, but we do some very sophisticated radio, control radios and video. Okay. And all the industries need that. Yeah. How, how big is Summit now? So Summit has got, uh, Summit's grown quite large. We can fit a dozen machines inside the building now. We have a laser cutting table, plasma table for cutting sheet steel and a brake press for bending it. We got a CNC wow. machines for making valving. There's about 15 employees in the building, and then we have four service trucks that service machines all around the world, or all around the Northwest. And then I have an employee who works for me in Brazil, who takes care of a company down there. And we're just expanding. So I've chosen as a company to not have dealers. Okay. Now I've been told over and over, you can't do that. You'll never, you'll never be able to do that. But as a consumer, I'm not happy with dealers. Dealers have salesmen and dealers have a different set of rules than I live by. I can't be broke. You can't tell me I have to be broke down for four days. I, I won't accept that. So as, and we still have our problems. It's not easy what we're doing, but we literally will send a mechanic to wherever something's broke. And we have a lot of inventory of pieces and parts. We try very, very hard. And I've, as a company, just tried to take the challenge myself that no one's broke down for more than 24 hours. Okay. Wow. There's, okay. there's some times that we can't do that. Generally speaking, I'll take one of my machines apart to take a part off of it to get a customer going. Because I believe that the customer service is the part that's missing in our industry. Equipment sales. I don't need a salesman. I'm sorry, but a salesman's never done anything but pack paperwork back and forth. We need product specialists. 
they still sell equipment like they sold encyclopedias a hundred years ago. I don't need that. It's a draw on the industry. It's a draw on, and I know it goes against the grain and people won't like hearing that, but it's just a waste of that person's time. And it's a waste of my time. So do you just, you, the people just mostly when you sell, come to you directly or you meet people? Is that how that? There's a couple guys here that kind of take phone calls and they work. They're not salesmen at all, but they help me with quotes. Okay. Probably 75% of the sales is driven through me, visiting customers. Uh, people come to the shop. I don't have a, I don't have a sales force. I probably just have a reputation, be it good or bad. <laughs> More but of a word of mouth sort of thing than... You know, it truly is. And sometimes I think I went on a little tour a few months ago and I just went down and met with some timber companies, met with some logging companies in California because they have no technology there. And there's a million reasons why, but at the end of the day, they're still doing things the old way, the hard way, I guess. And I met with five companies and out of five companies, I think we've got two or three sales. So some of it's just getting me in contact with the company. I'm not very good at going and knocking on doors and I don't want to look like a salesman. I want to go out in the woods and I want to see what you're doing. I can tell you what we can and can't do. I can tell you the numbers to the best of my ability, give you the safety and and productivity of it. And then it's their choice. The other thing that I'll do is if you think you might want to try something, I'll put a machine on a low bed and I'll bring it to your job. I oh, believe that's cool. just, you believe in yourself or you don't. And if I can't afford a low boy bill, if I don't think I can help you, yeah. I, I won't I won't even try. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So do you try to keep most of well, if you're taking a low boy out, do you try to keep things fairly close in the northwest then? Because from Summit isn't really close to California. So I just, I just go, I just, oh, yeah. uh, wow, cool. we put a lot of miles on, but I got my <laughs> and, uh, Canada. We, we, I spent a lot of time driving and when I'm driving, I'm drawing on pieces of paper that end up on the floor, <laughs> on them, but you know, I spent a lot of time anymore driving it on the phone and I don't get to weld as much as I used to. I don't get to run machines as much as I used to. But that's just the nature of it. Yeah. So your logging operation, how large is that now? Well, Summit has destroyed my logging company. <laughs> oh, no. like it, it really has. I mean, I've always lived, eat, and breathed logging. Last 10 years has gotten a little worse, a little worse. So I'm just, I'm running two and a half sides right now. I still want to continue to experiment. Okay. The thing that comes with experimenting is a lot of failures, um, it's harder on my guys than it is on me. Financially, it's hard on me. But um, without me in the woods every day, being a cheerleader every day, and everybody who listens to this, it's no fault of I got great guys. They need leadership. Yeah. And I've never yeah. been able to supply it by anybody but me. For whatever reason, my weakest, my weak point in my life is just management. I'm a worker. I'm not a manager and it shows. I've tried to get some help from some other type of management. Um, but the type of person I need owns a logging company right now. I can't hire them. Oh yeah. makes sense. So I've been given a choice. Really. I've been fighting it for about 10 years. 
I think I could run Summit and be fine. I think I could run my logging company and be fine. What I probably can't do is grow both companies. Yeah, that makes sense. It's only one of you. <laughs> well, too many people rely on the technology and us. There's, I have too many customers at Summit to slow that down. You know, it's mm-hmm. growing, and which means more mechanics, more capacity. And the people who, I don't take it lightly. We're, we're building machines that are in excess of a million dollars here. Our lowest priced anything is probably $100,000. I take yeah. it very personal that whoever buys any products from here, we owe them something. And it's more than a salesman. We owe them support. We owe yeah. them training. So we go out and we do a lot of training. I'll take operators from my logging company and myself, and we go get people. We give them a huge head start because oh, when you get fun. new technology, you don't know how to use it. It's very, very expensive, and we can save a lot of time. Operators who are scared from cable assist, and we go out and work with these guys and try to get them up to speed and show them why they shouldn't be scared. And, uh, you should right. be attentive. What we do is inherently dangerous. Yeah. But so, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I've done. Everybody's told me yeah. I'm doing wrong from <laughs> top to bottom. You're just unique. You're just try- You're just doing it your own way. <laughs> Hi, we are going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC convention has been moved to 2021, and they will be holding the annual auction December 16, 2020. For more information, just check out www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, back to our talk with Eric. What are kind of your goals with Summit? This kind of your baby. You could see yourself five, 10 years from now. What would it look like? I try to look at where things are going. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm playing around with electricity. I'm playing around with power plants and electric motors and energy recovery. And people laugh, but I'm literally thinking about going and buying a Tesla and cutting it apart and taking the batteries and the motors out of it because it's the cheapest Mm -hmm. way I can do it. Yeah, well, it can't, well, you could learn a lot just taking it apart. <laughs> so for me, I'm I'll, I'll be 53 this year, but most everybody in my shop is anywhere from 25 to 35. Okay. What do I do? Where does this? In 10 years, I'll be 63. They'll be 40. They'll be coming into their prime. They'll have yeah. lots of experience. Where's the world going to be in 10 years? I mean, that's a pretty big challenge question. That's a pretty loaded question with all the unrest and politics and everything but it goes towards automation and efficiency and green whether people argue with that they can but that's where it's going we all know that i think yeah so there's no reason in the logging industry in the cable world there is a ton of energy recovery available we have to learn how to use it we have to be profitable with production so when I say that, an electric drive gives me options that a hydraulic drive does not give me options. Yeah, absolutely. So to be more productive at cheaper operating cost, less moving parts, there's a whole, that's a big old thing. When I went to yeah. uh, Vegas at the show, I spent a couple of days at the show, there was a lot of electric cranes. There were electric bulldozers. There was electric 
The big companies are going there. They're getting drugged there. It's going there. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to create kind of a, a cable platform, majority electric. And this is in the next five years. That's, that's stuff yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah. at. But we're, we're slowly but surely pointing that direction. Um, that's exciting. And so, yeah, I want to be a one-stop shop. And the one-stop yeah. shop don't have to be the logging community, although it's where my life is. But it's just problem solving. I, I want to, whether it's farming or construction, if it's equipment and it's motion and labor, I really, I just, I, I really, really enjoy fixing problems. My wife would not say that, but. <laughs> well, you, you are good at it. I can imagine you being here at 73 doing the same, same article or same, same podcast. I will never retire. I will, <laughs> no retirement plans. I think it's crazy. I think I'm put on this earth for a reason and I'm going to use every second of every day. That, that, that's probably a good motto. I'm going to use every second of every day. Right. If people are just going to get a hold of you, best just by phone or so email. It's a buzz and email. Okay. Um, you know all the I don't do Twitter. I don't know how to do that. I don't do Snapchat, but you know Facebook messaging. I do mm -hmm. a lot with some logging groups on Facebook, and it has far reach. It's fairly mm -hmm. time consuming, and you try to get back and answer people's questions in a public form. It goes off the rail. When it does that, I don't argue. I don't argue in public, whatever. I, yeah. I won't do that. But legitimate questions, legitimate interests. You know, I've met and talked to, well, I shouldn't say met. So in the new world, I guess I've met and talked to a lot of people. I've never <laughs> I recognized them if I've seen them. I've had people walk up to me and say, hey, we're friends on Facebook. Well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, it, it is pretty powerful. There's no doubt about it. It does give you a big reach. I mean, there's probably people, people who feel like they know you, but you don't know them. So, Well, people I have zero chance of ever interacting with. I'm not going to go to Turkey and meet this guy out in the middle of wherever. But in the middle of the night, the other thing I've discovered is around the world is it's like uh, 3 p.m. somewhere, and it's probably 2 a.m. <laughs> at my house. But, so, yeah. you know, it's kind of odd for me, I guess, because I'm not exposed to that much stuff. But I spent three hours on the phone with the company owner from Chile. You have a lot of social unrest there. COVID-19 is raging there right now. Their health system's not very good. Their political system's kind of falling apart. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So are the Brazil, um, you're, are you think you're going to be expanding there? Yes. In the next five, uh, 10 years? That's your goal too then? Yeah, we'll continue to offer the technology wherever it's needed. And if there's hills, okay. it's needed. Okay. Um, I think that the some of the production shifts away from the Northwest and goes to plantation type. You know, New Zealand grows. Everything's different. Everybody's got their good points and bad points. Yeah. But in the Northwest, we have to come to the realization is, is there's trees all over this planet, and they don't. Ours has a price tag that's associated with it. People mm -hmm. are paying it now because it's better quality. Mm -hmm. But it's not long lived. We can't just, we cannot keep continuing to raise our extraction costs, our growing costs. Everything's going up, up, up. Well, around the world, there's a ton of volume. There's a lot of trees out there. 
-hmm. at some point, if we're not careful as an industry, we will be replaced by strand board. We will be replaced by different species. Uh, mm -hmm. We can't rely on that forever. So we have to drive our extraction costs down. We have to drive our transportation costs down. We have to drive every cost because we don't necessarily getting paid any more for a two by four, but it's yeah. cost a hell of a lot more to get it there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the building codes with mass panel, you see things in Portland that, you know, they're building 10 story buildings out of wood that consumes a lot of wood and is very friendly. We can't say enough about storing carbon, using wood. Wood is very friendly to the environment. It truly is. Yeah, yeah. Especially in comparing, when you're comparing it with the steel and especially when you're comparing it with steel and cement and all that, it's, yeah, it's, they should be using it more. Yeah, wood is good. That's the new buzzword out there, and I really like it. And the other thing is the fires, the changing climate, whether you agree, disagree, whatever, you know, the world's on fire and socially it's on fire. Yep. And I, you know, I've had to question myself here the last few months. What the hell do we do? Do I just, do I do nothing and just wait? Mm -hmm. I kind of decided that uh, eventually the economy will come back. And when it does, I got like three new products being built on the floor right now. Yeah. So now we're at a race against time. We're going to spend every penny that both companies have to their name to build two or three machines. It's dangerous as hell, but uh, when people need that is when the economy is the time to build, the time to go out on a limb and use the time and yeah. the people and the resources is when it's slow. Because when it's fast, yeah. you don't have time to do it. But then no, you, yeah, yeah. If you guys can use this, if you can use this time productively, that is fabulous. So we're all in at Summit. We're all in. I'm not going to stop unless I run out of money or die. <laughs> Hopefully they happen on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm pretty excited about what we're doing and where we're going. Yeah, that's great. So, um, and Again, I just leave your any um, advice you would have again for the next generation who might be listening to this. You're capable of doing anything. Stop making excuses. Get off your ass. Find out what you like to do and go do that. No one's stopping you except you. That is absolutely perfect advice. <laughs> There's nothing in their way. They're in their way. No, and the biggest thing I'd like to get out into the world, mm -hmm. complex problems, uh, systems problems, not just individual pieces of parts or equipment, but it's systems, M you know, multiple changes within a system to change the whole thing. Sometimes you got to change everything, right? As soon as you move one piece on a chessboard, the whole, the whole board's changed. So yeah. you can't just add one piece of technology you can make a really good ratchet, but it won't do anything without a socket. So you know, these pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. So anybody yep. in any industry that's got some challenges, I'd love to look at some of it. I want to know the ideas that people have of what's going on and what they think needs done to change it or fix it. Thank you for joining us. We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress as well as Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal for making this podcast possible. 
And of course, a giant thank you goes out to Eric Kroom for taking part in Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.